Thank you for that. It's great to be back at Eagle Brook, and I'd love to ask you a few questions to get started. And so hands raised on these questions, if this fits you across all campuses. Have you ever had a relationship that drained the life out of you? Would you raise your hand? Okay, across all campuses, I see you out there. That's a lot of hands. If you are currently in a relationship... Wait a second, let me finish the question. Let me, this could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be a coworker, so don't just go to the one sitting right beside you. You're currently in a relationship that is draining the life out of you. Would you raise your hand? Okay, now, third question, and you need to just stick, just don't jump ahead. If you brought a person with you today, no, don't raise your hand on that one. So do not raise your hand on that one. So a few years ago, I have teenagers now, but when our kids were five and seven, nothing drained the life out of our home faster than when those two would start fighting. And it just exhausted me as a dad. I mean, things could be fine, and 30 seconds later, <sighs> like, what happened? And I'd come into the family room, what is going on? Well, she started it. Well, he licked me first. And I'm like, okay, I've, uh, this is too much. I've got to, I'm not going to go the rest of our lives in this lane. Ain't going to happen. So I started praying, Lord, give me an illustration that I can teach my kids, five and seven, about this idea called codependency. Where you start blaming other people for where you are in life. And so uh, I... I feel the Lord gave me this illustration years ago just for my family, and I want to share it with you, and I'm hoping you steal this idea, and you take it home with you, and you use it as well in your home, and maybe uh, you take it to work with you as well, but I keep under our sink just this clear plastic $5 banquet jug, and whenever I sense, and this goes years back, the the energy draining from our home and we begin blaming one another for what we're feeling, I would pull this out. And it was usually met with a, <sighs> and my kids so dreaded what I call the love jug lecture <laughs> that once my son said, Dad, would you please give us a spanking instead? That's when you know you got a great lecture as a parent when they'd rather have a spanking. I said, nope, love jug out, lecture begins. And I would look to my son, what is this? <sighs> it's the love jug. <laughs> what does it represent? It represents my heart. That's right, Carson, who's responsible for your heart? I am responsible for my heart. That's right. How much are you responsible for your heart? <gasps> 100% responsible for my heart. How much is your sissy responsible? You see how they hate this? Just question after question after question. How much is your sister responsible for your heart? She is 0% responsible for my heart. And then we would quote this verse. This was one of the first verses we memorized as a family together. And I encourage every family to memorize this verse. The book of Proverbs gives so many great word pictures about the heart. 
And this one refers to the heart as a wellspring. Above all else, guard your heart, your love jug in our home, uh, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 3.3 refers to the heart as a tablet. Since you were very young, uh, messages have been written on your heart. Everything you saw, everything you heard, you remembered, and more than likely you're repeating. Why are you repeating that? Because those messages were written on your heart. In counseling, we call this your family of origin. You brought a family of origin into your new family, into your marriage, those messages. And that found its way onto the tablet, into the wellspring. And another way of saying the wellspring is this. Everything you say and do flows from your heart. So I'm one parent who's obsessed with my child's heart way more than I am their behavior. I want to get to the heart of it. And so I would go over to the sink, I'd grab the hose and I'd start filling it up. We have Gatorade that comes out of our sink. I don't know what comes out of yours, but uh, I would fill it up. I go, Carson, what is this? It's, it represents God's love. That's right. Because our goal as a family is to make sure we leave this home every day as full of God's love as possible. This is why we pray together as a family. This is why we read scripture together. It's why when the kids were very young, we decided let's memorize scripture to, together. Let's, as we walk along all throughout the day, as we drive throughout town, as we run our errands, uh, let's have conversation about the Lord. And so I would fill this up, and this is where the illustration really gets fun. I go over to the cupboard, and I just start grabbing all different shapes and sizes of glasses. And these represent all the people in my life that I'm gonna be pouring into today. I have a full heart, and I'm gonna be pouring in and interacting with a lot of different people. And so, who is the first person that I wanna pour into? My spouse, Amy. So, this represents my wife. Now, I grew up in an independent, fundamental, premillennial, King James Version-only Baptist church. Okay, this is not an approved glass right here. I asked Bob if I could borrow one of his. <laughs> and he said, make sure I get it back. I don't want to lose my set. All right, I said, no problem. I'll get it back to you at the end of this set. But Amy and I have made the decision in marriage that we're not going to run on empty, pour into everybody else and to everything else, and then if we have anything left, we'll pour into each other. We just made the decision in our marriage that we're going to give one another what we call choice overflow. So I pour in to my wife. Uh, my wife and I, we met on a blind date at Liberty University over 22 years ago. Uh, she was born in Austin, Minnesota, and her father, her grandfather, her great-grandfather all retired from Hormel Foods. Do we have any spam fans out there? Woo! Okay, so, <laughs> but the night I met her, I said, I'm going to marry this woman. I'm gonna marry this woman. I'll never forget walking into the kitchen of her full-blooded Norwegian father. And I said, may I have permission to marry your daughter? To which he responded in his thick Norwegian accent, yo betcha. <laughs> I said, but only under one condition. See, I didn't wanna wait till after she graduated college. She just finished her junior year. I wanted to get married between her junior and her senior year. And so I said, I'll only marry her if you allow me to pay for her senior year of college. To which he said, you betcha. <laughs> and, and I love it. I love when, when I see young people getting married, they think, that's all I need. I need a spouse. And once I have a spouse, I will be full. I will be complete. Amy and I were married about six years before we started having children. And we, we thought to ourselves, what, 
you know, we're missing something. Our marriage is missing something. What can we have? What can we bring into our marriage that will bring joy to our lives 24 hours a day, <laughs> seven days a week? We need kids. And then you have kids and you realize nothing sucks the life out of you faster <laughs> than a child. But we had Corinne May Cunningham. Uh, she's turning 15 this summer. Uh, easy firstborn child. Would you raise your hand if you had an easy firstborn child here and across all the campuses? Yeah, easy. I read all the books, man. We, we were awesome parents. Like, she was so easy. I remember sitting around one night with my wife going, we, we should bless the earth with more of our children. We're so good at this thing. How many of you had an easy firstborn? Again, let me see it. Okay. How many of you took credit for the easy firstborn? Would I just see your hand? How did God fix that cocky attitude in you? He gave you child number two. And child number two comes out. <laughs> like, what happened? Well, nothing. It's, not, it's you. It's my fault for the cockiness of child number one. But Corinne May Cunningham, so easy to pour into. She's, what, she's our pioneer girl. She just loves everything outdoors. This is her with her next door neighbor friend, Sugar, coming over to visit. And uh, love being a dad. She loves deer. My son, he loves deer uh, too. Show you this quick little picture. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've been to some churches and they've told me, we can't have you show that picture for fear of offending people. And so I was sensitive to this, and so I asked your staff, hey, is it okay if I show that picture? And they're like, are you kidding? That's half the profile pictures of our congregation. <laughs> this is our first deer together, my son and I. We, we, I come from a fishing family. 11 point buck, thank you for that. That was, that made feel, but how many, <laughs> there's a hunter going, I like this place, I like this place. Death and carnage, we're getting there, so we're starting right away. I grew up in a fishing family, I'm, I'm from Chicago, and I, I had no idea about hunting. Our friend taught us how to shoot, this is two years ago, and then put us in a blind, and he went a half mile down the road to another blind, and Carson drops us, I mean, we're down by the deer, man, we're high-fiving, we're having a father-son moment like we've never had, and about a few minutes later, my son goes, dad, 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 what do we do, what do we do? I'm like, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. But I think, according to the movie Red Dawn, You gotta take a bite out of its heart. I think that's how this whole thing works. <laughs> While I yell, Wolverines! But I, I love it. My daughter, easy to pour into. My son, he's my outdoor man. Man, Bear grills, man versus wild. And, and a few years ago, I'd asked him, hey, we have a weekend free, what do you wanna do? He's like, hey, why don't you and I just go out into the woods and survive this weekend? <laughs> I go, what do we take? And he's serious when he says, nothing but a knife and a canteen. And so we did. We went and we survived in the woods that weekend. What he didn't know is we were surviving in the woods right behind Cracker Barrel. That's kind of how we got through <laughs> that whole weekend. This is just an observation. Observation, not a teaching point. Observation, I think if you're doing family well, you're pouring a lot out. Like, it's not going to everyone else and then whatever you have left, you bring to the family. I've, I've poured out over half. And it's just my family. 
So my parents, they retired 18 years ago from Lucent Technologies outside of Chicago, and they moved down to Branson, Missouri, where we live now, and they live two streets over. And for the past 18 years, my dad has watched Fox News 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I walk into his house, and I'm like, hey, Dad, how's it going? To which he responds, well, we're going to hell in a handbasket. That's how it's going. The world's falling apart. There ain't gonna be nothing left for you kids. Like, wow. Like, Dad, I've told you, you gotta start watching more Joel Osteen. Can't have you angry all day. Can I just make this, and some of you have enjoyed the message up to this point, and I went after Fox, and now you're like, I hate him. He's wrong. I'm full of joy. <laughs> okay. Whether you watch CNN or Fox News, this is true of all cable news networks. You cannot watch the same news cycle repeat every 30 minutes all day long and at the end of the day be any sort of happy. <laughs> Notice all the women. Amen. <laughs> Tell them, yeah, you can't. You can't because it just, I just want you to hear this because we get, we get our news today from algorithms on social media and from cable news networks that reinforce our biases, which means we're only listening uh, to news that we agree with. How's that working in all your other relationships? And, and so we're struggling with this. So when you turn on the cable news network, which okay, go watch 30 minutes of the news, but when you go into the second news cycle, just listen for this sound. It's draining you. Remember when we used to watch the news to figure out what's going on? Today we watch the news to find out what we should be mad about today. And it's draining us. It's the same thing with social media. Home is the place you're supposed to go at the end of the day to recharge your batteries physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. If you have 10% left, if you're down to here at the end of the day, don't go home and just pull out a device and mindlessly scroll, mindlessly surf, and give the last 10% of your day to comparing your life with everyone else. Instead, do something that begins to fill you up and rest, the value of rest. My mom, she's easy to pour into. She just, at this point in her life, wants to make sure I'm connected to the family. She loves when I talk about my brother. She wants to know, have you talked to your brother lately? Yeah, I have, Mom, and so have you. But she wants to hear me talk about my brother. This little shot glass here represents my mother-in-law. You do not want to give her too much. <laughs> no. Okay, listen. She's from Owatonna, and that is a punchline. And she wants me to let you know that's a punchline. She's a party on wheels. That's all she wants you to know. And to use that punchline around the country, I have to get her Viking tickets every year. But, but yeah, I haven't even been to work yet. This is just my family. And every single person here has someone at work, maybe one, maybe more than one, who sucks the life right out of you. And I'm almost on empty. The, you can see why this lecture wears my kids out, because it takes a while. I try to have fun with it as we go through it, but I'm on empty. My heart is, is depleted. And my kids, five and seven, really couldn't grab a hold of the, the textbook definition uh, of codependency, which is excessive emotional reliance. 
This definition they started to get a little bit more. This is Dr. Gary Smalley, my mentor of over 15 years. Codependency plugs into people, places, and things as the source of life. Okay, they, they kind of started to get that, but this illustration they got, codependency is pouring into all of these people, then being on empty, waiting for them to pour back into you. And that's what's draining the life out of our relationships. The problem with all of these people right here, all of these people are limited supplies. And limited supply, when you plug into limited supply, it makes you desperate, makes you even more desperate. You're looking for something from them that they were never meant to be for you. And, and I don't know if you remember the morning we woke up to the dreaded news, Twinkies went bankrupt. Does anybody remember that? You hadn't had a Twinkie in 20 years, but your first thought was, <gasps> I better get to the store, buy boxes and boxes of Twinkies. We should stockpile these things because I thought you're never going to get them again. Or you're at home. Someone knocks on the door. You go to the door and they've got a vest on and they have a hard hat on and they say, yeah, ma'am, excuse me, but we're doing some work down the street. We're going to have to turn the water off for an hour. You were fine until he said that. And as soon as he said that, you're, ah, I'm thirsty. Because that's how we're wired. That's how we're wired. When we think the supply is going to be cut off, we lean in even more. But here's, here's the bottom line. My spouse, okay, is not my source of life. You want to know what the worst marriage on the planet is? A husband and wife connected to each other as the source of life, then spending their days giving each other the stagnant overflow. Not good. This is a miserable marriage. You want to know what the best marriage on the planet is? A husband and wife firing each other as the source of life, connecting to the true and only source of life, then spending their days giving each other choice overflow. In Ecclesiastes 9, we read, endure life with your wife. <laughs> All your miserable days. No, it doesn't say that. It's the only place in your Bible where it says this. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. Under the sun is a theme throughout all of the book of Ecclesiastes. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor. I love the word toilsome there. It means grueling. Your labor under the sun is grueling, but this is in the same passage that says enjoy life with your wife. One of my life's callings and my passion is to work with couples and to help them understand God did not give you your marriage to be the toilsome labor. God gave you your spouse not to be the source of your life, but to be your companion to go through the grind of life. You don't have to choose between life and a wife. You can have both at the same time. I tell the guys at our church all the time, stop looking for greener grass. Where there is greener grass, there is a septic leak. <laughs> Stay home and water your own lawn. I always try to picture couples when they come walking into the office and I just simply ask this question. I try to assess this within 60 seconds. Are they teammates or opponents? 
They teammates are opponents because if they're opponents, it's because they've turned one another into the grind of life. And because they're the, they've turned each other into the grind, it's because they've turned one another into the source. Amy and I spent the first half of our marriage like this. You know what? I just said the thing I know you like to hear. I just did the thing I know you like me to do. When am I going to get a little something-something coming back at me? Miserable marriage. Great marriage is, Amy, you're fired. You're not my source of life. I'll take 100% personal responsibility for my heart. I'll take personal responsibility. You're 0% responsible for my heart. When we were, I, my wife and I, we are so different. My wife is, she's a passionate designer and she cares about environments and she loves this woman down in Texas called Joanna Gaines. <laughs> and I, I've said, if I ever meet Chip Gaines, I'm gonna punch him right in the face. Like, <laughs> I hate that man and everything he stands for. <laughs> He's ruining my marriage. I come home from work and Amy's standing there in the dining room looking at a wall. I'm like, hey, babe, what's going on? Hey, you know what? After dinner, why don't we, why don't we move this wall right here? <laughs> Plugged into each other as a source of life. This was on the inside what was happening to me. <laughs> no, we're Christians. Christian people don't go moving walls in their homes like that. I was, man, I would freak out over this stuff, but we're fired now as the source. I, I, I had to get online quick and find a term. I found a term that saved our marriage. Does anybody know what the term is? Load bearing. <laughs> Every wall in our home <laughs> is load bearing. You can't take down one or they all come down. Enjoying life and marriage is a choice, not an outcome. It's a decision that you make, not a season that you wait for. And I see too many couples doing this. They just, they're like, well, you know, if we just get through this, then right there. We're always looking for the next season, but I'm convinced you can enjoy life and marriage in any and every season and stage of life because it's a choice you make. And let it start by firing your spouse as the source of life. You know what, we do the same thing with our kids, but I'm here to declare to you today, your children are not your source of life. As parents, we have fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says whatever I pour into my child is what I will get out of my child. <laughs> okay, y'all working ahead, you need to just... How this, how comedy works is I establish the premise, deliver the punchline, and you're running ahead of the punchlines. But yeah, whatever I pour in is what I will get out. You know what the Hebrew term for that is? <laughs> in the Greek, it's bologna. It's just not true. But we look to our kids and say, okay, a perfect child means I've done a great job parenting. An easy child means I've just done a great job with discipline. What's our role as parents when it comes to this whole idea of the heart? Well, Deuteronomy 6 says it this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. There are four truths in that one verse, and I love them. I've been declaring them to my kids since the time I could uh, get them to listen to the instruction. 
The four truths in verse four are this. There is a God. There is only one God. He is the Lord and he is our Lord. Verse five says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. There is a God. There is only one God. He is the Lord. He is our Lord and we will love him. And then it says this, speaking of the parent's heart, we'll start right here. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Why? Because what's on your heart will find its way onto your child's heart, not for the purpose of coming back to you, but for this reason. Impress them on your children. Our children are watching, they're listening, they're remembering, and then they're repeating. My son and I, we love watching YouTube clips. It's his favorite thing to do. His favorite YouTube clip, if you get time, go home uh, today, type in German Coast Guard into YouTube. It's a 30-second clip. My son just thinks this is the funniest clip ever on YouTube. A guy's being trained day one on the German Coast Guard, and a mayday comes in. Mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking. Uh, hello? This is the German Coast Guard. Mayday, mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking. Uh, what are you sinking about? My son thinks it's the funniest thing he's ever heard, falls over in laughter. And a few weeks later, we're driving down the road. And I start singing a hymn from my childhood that goes like this. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. And from the back seat, I heard, and what were you singing about? <laughs> and I looked at my wife and said, they see everything, they hear everything, they forget nothing and then they repeat. That's what Proverbs 3.3 is referring to as the tablet of the heart. The messages we're writing on their heart. How do you impress a love for the Lord upon your child's heart? How do you, how do you instruct them in that? How do you guide them in that? I just love the word impress because it clearly spells it out in verse seven for us. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you drive along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. All throughout the day, have these conversations about the Lord. I, I just, I love this. How about this? For some of you right now, you have a parent. You've left home, but you're still connected to home, relationally, emotionally, financially. Your parents are not your source of life. Uh, when I baptized both of my children, I brought them up out of the water. I whispered into their ear, Jesus is your priority relationship, not me. I'm preparing my children to leave home. When they leave home, I want them to leave home. And I've left home. This would represent Ron and Bonnie Cunningham. I've left home. And I left home physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. I instruct premarital couples how to do this. And we have a whole session on how to leave home physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, and all the parents said, whoop, whoop. And I said, and if you can't do those well, you may have to think about leaving home geographically because God's plan is not for you to be living in your parents' basement at age 35 with Star Wars bedsheets. It's just not the plan. And as we see this in Genesis 2.24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, not a child, not an adolescent, but a, a man. In other words, uh, it's my job as a parent to make sure my children leave home as adults, not on a journey to become one, which is what's happening today. And then they're gonna leave and be, he'll be united to his wife and they'll become one flesh. In other words, that they're gonna leave home and they're gonna start their own home. 
They're not supposed to be attached to me. The, according to Genesis 2.24, the bond between a husband and a wife is glue-like. It's supposed to be stronger than the bond between a parent and a child because we're raising our children to send them out. Your children are not your source of life. Your parents not your source of life. And for some right now, you're struggling at work because your boss has become your source of life. And I want to declare over you today, your boss is not your source of life. Let your job uh, be your source of income. Let it be the place that you go to and pour out your gifts and your skills. Do it well. But here's how, here's how the scripture teaches us about the heart in relation to work and who the source of life is. The scripture says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. You can work for any type of boss. You're working for the Lord, not for human masters. You know what's, you know what's great about all of this for me, and I just, this to me, illustration has just stuck in my brain all these years with my kids, and we'll, we'll pull it out at restaurants, like, okay, we don't have all the props with us, but we can gather them, because it's this saying in our home that we're, we're reminding ourselves of all the time, and it's simply this, my source of life is Jesus, not you. When I want to blame you, when I feel like you are the reason I'm getting mad, you are making me mad, that's one of the most codependent statements we can make as a parent. You are making me mad. No, 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 I own my heart. I'm responsible for it. My source of life is Jesus, not you. You know what I love about this? That means when I pour into all of these people, because I know who the true and only source of life is, I now can pour into them with zero expectations of anything coming back to me. I can pour into them staying connected to the true and only source of life. And now I don't have to have this scarcity mindset that's like, oh, I'm going to run out, I'm going to run out, I'm going to run out. And you aren't performing and you aren't. I'm, and if you're a control freak like I tend to be, we're constantly maneuvering and positioning the people. Okay, you stay right there, you stay right there, you stay right there. Don't move because if anybody gets out of line or my plan's thrown off, I'm not going to be full. Nope. Now, knowing who the true and only source of life is, I pour with zero expectations of anything coming back to me. I'd love to see the hands of anybody that relates to this, but I have a face that screams retail. Uh, I go into stores and restaurants all the time, and I get asked the question, uh, excuse me, do you work here? Does anybody else have this problem? Can I just see? I, I don't know why the face of a manager. If I, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I am so exhausted. I can't, even, I can't even keep track of how many times I've been asked that question. I'm so exhausted with that question, I don't even fight it anymore. My response is simply, how may I help you? And we recently were uh, at one of our favorite little restaurants in Branson called Sugarleaf. And uh, my family was all there. We were eating lunch. And I got up to use the restroom. And, and I looked over and I saw this senior couple. And they were, they were pretty frustrated. And I thought, oh, I've got a second. So I walked over to their table and just asked, how was everything? <laughs> and, and he said to me, he goes, oh, I got to be honest with you. We're pretty frustrated. <clears throat> I said, I hate to hear that. What seems to be the problem? He said, your sign outside said bratwurst. And we stood in line for 20 minutes. And we get to the front, and you're out of bratwurst. Now, I'm only 44 years old, but I can't wait for the day in my life when the biggest issue of my day is false advertising by a restaurant. <laughs> I said, sir, I hate to hear this, but I, I go, what can we do 
to make this right? Started to change his attitude. I said, what if I get you a piece of pie? Now, if you don't know the power of pie, (laughs) I want you to ask the senior adults in here. (laughs) Because they will tell you pie changes lives. It's why we say at our church, the power of food, we know it. Don't get a divorce, get a donut. (laughs) You cannot fight while eating a donut. It is impossible. My grandma, she taught us the power of food. Man, she was a pie baker. She loved it all. But uh, when she was 70, she was in the doctor's office and noticed the doctor write on her chart the word obese. And this completely and totally ticked my grandma off. She made the young doctor cross off the word obese and write the words little chubby. Pie changes everything. And so I went, I bought a piece of pie, I brought it back, I set it down in front of him, and he starts asking me questions about the restaurant. And I'm like, hey, oh, woo, 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 woo. I don't work here. That's my family over there, and all of my family deadpan. I get back to the table, and I'm like, did you see that? That was incredible. That was so much fun. It's like a drug coursing through us. What is going on? You know why that was so exciting? That's that's how it's supposed to be when you serve, when you give, when you love with zero expectations. Have you ever known anyone to leave a church or an organization mad? I guarantee you it's because they were there with massive expectations. They were looking to the church or the organization to be their source of life. The scripture says this, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, believe that Jesus died and rose again, God lives in them and they in God, he is the source. And so we know and rely on this love. We rely on this as the source, the love God has for us. God is love, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. He is unlimited, free, refills. He is the source of life. You never run out with him. And you can pour into everybody. You can pour into difficult people. You can pour into people who are different than you. You can pour into dangerous people. You can pour into people with nothing coming back in return. I want you to try it the next time you're at a restaurant with your family. I haven't been kicked out of a restaurant yet for this. But I want you to go by the bus station and pick up the water jug. It looks just like this. And just walk around the restaurant and start filling empty water glasses. (laughs) And at first, the wait staff's like, what is going on? But after about two seconds, they're like, smoke break, and they're out the back door. (laughs) They'll let you do it. And I'm telling you, something will happen. This is what Jesus said. I have come to serve, not to be served, to give my life as a ransom to many, boy, pouring in to other people. First John chapter four, verse 19 says, we love, we pour into because he first loved us. We're able to pour because he pours in to us. We're able to give because he gives to us. We're able to forgive Because as God has forgiven me in Christ Jesus, I now can forgive these. 
He's my source of love. He's my source of serving. He's my source of giving. He's my source of forgiveness. And when he is that source, it gives me everything I need to pour into all of these. Would you stand and let's pray together. Father, it is in the name of Jesus Christ, your love language, the one you give to us for love. And it's through him the way we give back to you. And we are grateful that you are our source of life. You first loved us, so I'm now able to pour into my spouse, into my children, into my parents, into my coworkers, into my friends, expecting nothing in return that I would stay connected to the true and only source of life. For the one right now in a very draining, frustrating, exhausting relationship, that they would start today by firing that person as the source of life and that they would plug into you, the true and only source of life, that they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart in the source of all life. And for that, we are grateful. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray it. Amen. Thank you, Eaglebrook, for a great time.